Matt Money Smith here from the Petros and Money Show saying a big what up Utes to all of you listening right now on KU Radio. And you're listening to Old Ute Radio. We had to go at a later date time today because of the scheduled maintenance earlier in the studio, but now we're back over the over the radio like always. We have we, a special guest today. We have a huge guest. That's why I'm uh, kind of just fumbling my words here. I'm actually really excited. We have uh, a legend, uh, a businessman, uh, <laughs> an epic hero of oh. Salt Lake City. Ooh. We have Mr. Keith Stubbs himself. Round of applause for me, everybody. Yeah. Round of for me. Hey, can I get my headphones up a little bit? For yes, some sir. reason, it seems a tad low, yeah. and uh, I'd like to hear your voices in my head. Is that clearly. better? No. Is that better? No. Sasha, which one is it? That one. I'm just right one. here. There you go. How's that? Let's keep going. I That's think I'm mine, hard of Sasha. hearing a little bit because I've, I've had headphones on for years. How's that? Um, <laughs> golly. You know what? I think we're good. Nice. Holy smoke, that sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're good. Awesome. Keith, thanks for uh, coming on in, man. Oh, glad to be here. I had a hard time finding parking, but that it worked out seamlessly, and here I am. Well, welcome to the U. We're yeah. 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 <laughs> Where parking is insanely <laughs> difficult <laughs> to get. I think it's a bit of a challenge, but I think once you figure out the system, it's a piece of cake. Yeah, they're trying to go tracks and bus only up here. So really? Yeah, that's their goal is yep. to fade out automobiles on this car. Okay. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I think it's worth a shot. Why not? <laughs> They're not forcing us. <laughs> I found a place for my Ford Fiesta, so it worked out well, which I, by the way, just picked up from, uh, it was in rehab. I hit a deer like a month ago. Oh, yeah. Was, on that, after a yeah, show. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was doing a show on a Friday night at uh, Wise Guys West Valley City, driving home. I live in Ogden, Utah, right up 89, and bang, a deer just jumped right in front of me, smashed my car. I was hoping it was totaled, to tell you the truth. That would have been good news, but they fixed it and now it's uh boy it's in, in prime condition it's a nice ford fiesta uh, the the fiesta's jacked up the deer a little bit of a limp it didn't it barely even hurt the deer but it killed my car awesome <laughs> well peter will be happy for that boy no kidding <laughs> <laughs> so keith how long how'd you get started in stand-up uh stand-up comedy i started in los angeles california in about 91 is when i first hit the stage i started doing open mic nights i was living down there i was a stockbroker at the time i was with Payne weber you were a stockbroker originally. Yes, yeah, I was a stockbroker in New York, also in Los Angeles. I got the bug, decided I had a friend that was doing comedy. He was working at the Laugh Factory there on Sunset. And I would go with him and hang out, kind of observe, kind of check it out, yeah. kind of gawk a little bit. And then I said, you know what? And he was encouraging. He was very encouraging. He was a good friend of mine. And he said, man, you ought to give this a shot. And I would just get nervous stomach, man. I, was like, I, sure. I, I felt like I could do it. I felt like I could pull it off. But, man, it made me so nervous. And then eventually I tried, uh, I took a comedy class, which, you know, there's people that think they're good, they're bad, whatever, I don't really care. But it helped me a little bit. It helped me give some focus as far as writing jokes and structuring jokes mm -hmm. and give me some confidence. And I took a little comedy class. I started doing open mic nights. And, uh, and then I was full-time in, in a matter of less than a year. Wait, you got passed? Like no, I left, I left uh, being a stockbroker and went full-time doing oh, stand-up okay. comedy. Yeah. And I started touring and traveling all over the country. Wow. Was it was that scary going from that transition where you probably were able to afford your mortgage and groceries and then 
kind of being out in the open and not really sure because you have to build your own um, gigs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was very scary yeah. because I went from having an income to having no income. Yeah. However, that'll motivate you. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that you have a kid, knowing that you're not making any money, you got to do something. So it really made me work harder. It, it really helped me focus on writing mm-hmm. uh, and performing. It got me on stage a lot. And then I was sending out videotapes. Like this is back when you had the VHS tapes. I would send out these packets of videotapes to bookers all across the country yeah. with a headshot and a bio and say, hey, man, I'd love to come work your place. And some would respond and I would get some work and I went down, I went, I'd go up to Canada and I'd go to Minneapolis. This was out of LA at the time. Wow. And I would go all over the country doing gigs and trying to piece it together. Driving. And, and nice. tr- yeah, yeah drive. You, you were a road dog yeah, through and through. No doubt about it. I had a Geo Metro. Uh, about the same what, it, it, here's, what does that tell you I had a Ford Fiesta <laughs> and I, whatever but I had a Geo Metro and I did and most of the gigs you do at that level you just gotta drive there's no way you could fly because uh, I was doing one nighters mm-hmm. and one nighters are basically one night you're in Billings the next night you're in Bozeman the next night you're in uh, Missoula the next night you're in Spokane Washington or and, and do the same thing in Texas you go all over Texas and do a couple of weeks of stand up comedy so I was doing that pretty much 48 weeks a year for several years as I was doing my thing and I'd go back into Los Angeles and I would audition for stuff and take acting classes and schmooze and and do all that which is part of the biz. How did you keep your confidence high um, when you were young in the entertainment world? First of all I wasn't young in the entertainment world. I started too late in my opinion. I started when I was 31. I wish I'd started a little bit younger but as far as confidence you know as a comedian you have to really believe that you can do it like because there's a lot of failure as a matter of fact it's mainly failure you mainly are gonna just eat it and mainly (laughs) most of your jokes are not gonna work so somewhere in there inside you you got to believe that you can get it done Mm -hmm. otherwise it's over so what what kept me going even at the beginning when i would get nervous stomach i have to go to the bathroom several times i get i have like an active uh system (laughs) so if i get nervous i get stomach just issues i gotta go to the bathroom right then some people do some people don't that was me and and, but (laughs) what kept me going was that i knew or I, i didn't know but i figured i could do it i figured i could work through that and then write material that worked for me worked for my personality and my sensibilities and who i am but you, you really have to have, as, as anyone wanting to do almost anything, including radio or whatever, even if you aren't that good at the beginning, it, you, you got to have some belief that you can play, even if it's going to law school or, or being a doctor. And you may not be doing really well in your classes or may not be getting it. You better believe somewhere deep down that you can. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. Sure. Wow. I was in San Francisco this past week. I just got hired by the Pac-12 network to be a camera guy for them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So are you moving there or are you going to no, do it I'll from be, here? I'll be, I'll be, uh, I have a 66-game signed contract for the U, and then we'll see after. Now, does that include basketball? Uh, men's and women's basketball, men's football, gymnastics, women's volleyball and soccer, and softball very cool yeah. now you're going to be on one of those cameras that kind of has a set up on like a railroad track and it kind of goes up and down the field um i won't be i don't know what that's called it's not a railroad track no, it's a dolly yeah, so it's a dolly yeah. i made it sound like it was uh, a locomotive <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> obviously i know nothing about that's it that's inefficient you know <laughs> now, see, i'm a radio nerd by my passion i love yeah. radio mm-hmm. i'd rather listen to that than television so for the football games i'll be inside the color 
broadcast booths where all the big radio guys come in to do color commentary. Oh, that's nice. Such as Matt Money Smith from Petros and Mike. I love those guys. <laughs> yes, As a matter sir. of fact, they're a couple of my favorites. Yeah. No doubt about it. Petros Papadiklis or whatever <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, these guys are great. Very entertaining. Yeah. Mm. And so they have, you know, and Matt Money Smith is a Pac-12 announcer. And so there's a couple more that are radio guys, too, that come in. So I just get in there, film them, make them look good, and get to pick their brain on radio the whole time. Uh, I, t I tell you something, and, and then this market right here, they could use some of that. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one, that's one of the things when I first came here was how neutered the radio was. Not even in so much language or content, but just this whole thing that's been going on in America where they're getting rid of local radio. And it breaks my heart because it's all becoming nationally syndicated yep. owned by certain companies, which they're great companies, but they just kind of keep them national. You know, it's well, you get the Jim Rohns and the Dan Patricks to death, and it's like... Yeah, th there's a lot... Well, not just with sports, but sure. even just with mainstream radio, yeah. it's... Uh, uh, the theory is, is they want music and they don't want to hear anybody talk. And when you have a boss that says, uh, people don't want to hear a bunch of blabber, which is what uh, I experienced at one point. It's like, wow... If you're telling me, you're my boss, and you're telling me that people don't want to hear a lot of blabber, that either I'm in the wrong business or you're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, because you hired me, I'm a comic, so you hired a guy that blabbers. Sure. That's what I do. I'm an entertainer. But if all you want is to shove music down people's throat, that's great. Then you need to hire just a DJ. A guy to go, hey, that was that, and this is this. Yeah. Hey, there you go. There's Third Eye Blind. Mm -hmm. Weren't they great? Go to our website. Because that's what's happening to me uh, in a lot of ways to some of the radio. There's, there's other radio that's very good. Yeah. There's some really good local radio stations, as a matter yes, of fact. Sir. And there's other ones where I think they've, they've put the chokehold on them. And good luck with that. Does that just come from the ONA shows and the Howard Stern shows just getting in trouble over and over again? I don't think it's a matter of getting in trouble because you can still be entertaining and use no yeah, language yeah. and not cross any lines. I mean, some of the stuff that ONA did, they admitted that that was bad, that they shouldn't have done what they did, and they, they, they crossed whatever line. Now, obviously, it affected them financially and even Stern, but Stern was successful without having to go to Sirius XM. Sure. He was successful before that. I, I think that you can be funny. I don't think you have to do some of the stuff those guys did, but I think there's a certain amount of fear, but I think there's a certain amount of over-programming that goes on and over-analyzing and overthinking what's going on with regards to radio with some uh, program directors, and they are afraid to have someone speak for more than 30 seconds because they, they fear that someone's going to turn out and they're going to turn off that. Uh, they they want to hear Katy Perry and they got to hear him right now mm -hmm. or they got to hear One Direction right this minute or Tim McGraw or whoever it is. And, and there's, there's this fear and they program with fear. And, uh, and believe me, I know about fear. I live in it all the time. But, but it, it, it is frustrating. And I, I don't know that I have the answer. All I know is as a personality if you're if you're a comedian or if you have a large personality, being on radio, just as a DJ on a regular station, in in most cases, there's no place for you. There's no place for you because they want to play music. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. want to play a lot of music, and they want you to give the time, temperature, and title. <laughs> That's what they want. Yeah, hey, true. guess what? It's 4:52. That was uh, the band Perry. And uh, it's 28 degrees outside. Actually, it's hotter than that. <laughs> but, but, that's, but they go, yeah. That, that, and, and I heard that many times. And, and, I, and I have friends across the country that, that do radio. And, and it's frustrating if you're a personality. Now, if you're just a DJ, not just a DJ, because they're great DJs. But if you're a DJ, that's fine. Sure. That's what you want to do. 
But if you want to do more than that or different than that, then there's not a, there's not a lot of room for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's risky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they're and, and in their defense as a, as a PD, it's their job to get ratings. It's their job to make it balance out. There's, it's their job to be able to sell it to advertisers. So they're afraid. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear all over the place. The DJ is afraid to say something wrong. The DJ is afraid of going too long on the air. The PD is afraid of the ratings coming in back. So just, everyone's just running around <laughs> afraid. And I understand it. I understand it. So, but as a performer, uh, you just want to have fun, right? Yeah. And, and but at the same time, you know, if it's not working out, then then you have to deal with whatever those results are. Do you believe in the paradigm that radio is dying? Because I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's dying. I think local radio, if you embrace it, and because people always like talking about sports, people there's a certain amount of national sports shows uh, that are really good, really entertaining, but people want to hear about the Utes. They want to mm-hmm. hear about BYU. They want to hear about the Jazz. They want to hear about Utah State. They, they don't want. They don't care about the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the Yankees. They'll take a little bit of it. You can talk about that a little bit. You can talk about Eli Manning a little bit, but they really want to hear what's happening right here with Kyle Whittingham. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to hear. So, lo- I think as long as local radio serves the local needs, it'll be fine. But if local radio tries to turn in to, I, I believe if they try to compete too much with Pandora and these other uh, outlets, you can't compete with them because they're commercial free. Yeah. So you're, you, you, if people really just want music, they can get just music. But if they want content and local content, then you got to open up the mics and let the people talk. I like it. Wow. Yeah. So, um, by the way, this is coming from a guy who's failed. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not like, like I'm preaching, but, but this is, I did it for eight years and I enjoyed it. It was a good run. A lot of people haven't survived that long in anything. I did it for eight and a half award winning years. By on the a way. country show. On a country, yeah. Show. And that, you know, I didn't even, people know me as the guy on the country station, but I was approached, uh, someone had seen me do stand up comedy and I was approached. Hey, have you ever thought about doing radio? I go, well, I've been a guest on radio stations a lot. No big deal. It's, you know, I traveled and it was fun. I enjoyed it. I go, well, would you have a problem being a, uh, a host on a country station? I go, what do you mean problem? They go, well, it's because it's country and there's people that have a thing. I go, no, I don't, I, I don't have a thing against country. Why, why would I have a thing against country music? So that was a little bit of an obstacle. That they th- or they thought it would be an obstacle mm-hmm. uh, whether or not I was going to be willing to even uh, try and, and so they called me. I ended up doing it. I ended up signing a contract. And I withstood many changes, many changes that were not, uh, not none of them were under my control. None. I mean, when you have a PD, they, they, make the, they, they, they make the call. And you were a radio personality eight oh, years yeah. in a row? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Award-winning. Utah brought. Yeah, yeah, it was oh, fun. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. It was a good run. Maybe there's something else out there. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, part of me is a little burned out on it. Yeah. Maybe that's just because I'm just coming off eight years and getting up at four in the morning was brutal. Yep. And yeah. I live in Ogden, so I was driving in oh. downtown Salt Lake City every day. But I, there, I will tell you this: I enjoyed it, though it was yeah. enjoyable. So it was fun, man. Well, you, you still do the Stubbscast. Yes, well, I have yeah. my podcast, which I enjoy a lot. Stubbscast.com is the name of the website. I, I have good guests. I have some bad guests, <laughs> but that's you know, the way it works. But no, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a, it's on iTunes and everything. So I, and I do it every week, and I have guests that are comics, and I have guests that are just sometimes no guests. You've had Chris Hemsworth on. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had good ones, and I've had. 
I've had real famous people and not so famous people, but it's fun and it's mine and it's usually it's just something that I like to do. I, I enjoy doing it. What do you think about the medium of podcasting? You know that hour and twenty minute show. I think it's going to be. I think that uh, podcasting is going to end up being. Uh, you guys probably don't know. Years ago, there was a yogurt shop on every corner. It was probably <laughs> 25 years ago. There was like someone invented a yogurt shop, and then there were yogurt shops <laughs> everywhere. And then eventually, most of the yogurt shops went away except for the really good ones. Sure. And I think that's what's going to happen with podcasts. Right now, there are, are a jillion podcasts. And yes. I believe in the next couple of years that 95% of them will be gone. They won't even exist anymore. I think anyone with a mic and a laptop is trying to do a podcast. I think it has to be good. I think it has to be entertaining. I think that whoever's hosting it has to want to continue to do it. And now when I say 95% will be gone, that still leaves a million podcasts. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. like there, there's going to be five podcasts. Yeah, there's, there's thousands. Yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, thousands. So they'll, I, but I still think, you know, Mark Marins will still be there and, mm -hmm. and Jimmy Pardo and, and all these guys. Yeah, the nerdist. Yeah. yeah, the really good ones are going to be there. But every knucklehead with a mic that thinks he's doing a podcast, that's going to go away yeah. just because – just like the yogurt shops. We don't need that many. And they'll probably get some broadcasting syndicates for podcasting and, you know, get big servers and big conglomerates together. And Right. And it'll know. kind of put the small guy out of business. Sure. Kind of the way it, it just isn't that interesting how it just kind of evolves. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. We got to stay one step ahead of corporate, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But that's it's business. And when it gets down to it, it's, it's about money and whether or not it makes sense. And financially, it can be supported. And I look as a business guy myself, I get it. I understand it. I deal with it all the time. So like when even working in the radio station like I did for as long as I did, when they said things or approached things, I usually was like, yeah, I get it. I, I'm with you. No problem. Because it's, it's money. It costs money to run things. And things are risky. And would you take the same risk? Like I say on radio, they should do this. They should do this. Well, that's what I would like. Now, would you do it with your money? Mm -hmm. Probably not. You'd probably do what they're doing. Yeah. So it's, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying it's frustrating. And it makes it difficult. And... Good luck to everybody, but so, it's a tough biz. So how did you manage uh, uh, doing radio and managing uh, – how many – you own two three. clubs? Three clubs, yeah. yeah. Three wise guys. Yeah. I want Trolley Square has been open four and a half years. West Valley, 12. Ogden, almost 10 years. You know, I'm a workaholic is what it is. I, uh, I – you know, I'm not lazy. I'm not saying that if you're a workaholic doesn't mean – I'm just saying I'm a workaholic. So I'm not afraid to work. It was difficult. I was having to juggle things. I was having to compartmentalize. And really, I have to learn, you have to learn how to prioritize, like, on the fly. Like, what's more important right now? Because I've got clubs. I've got contracts. I've got comedians coming to town. i got to get an audience in there to see those comedians. I have to book the comedians. I also do the payroll. I do the website. Uh -huh. I do all those things. And when I go on, I do radio show, I've got to be entertaining and not think about that. I've got to think about what I'm you know, yeah. talking to you guys. So you have to... I, what I have to do is compartmentalize and think about just this. Even if something in your life is crappy, or even if it's a, like you get a fight with your wife or your kids sick uh, or something. My mom died. I, I, oh. My mom died uh, the night before I was on the air. The next day, this was when I was down there at the Eagle, and you know I, I had to be in. And my, I got a phone call the night before my mom had died, and I went on the air. And I, for the most part, I held it together. And then you know, then then I, I had mentioned it. I said, by the way, my mom died last night. And, and, you know, because I had to say it because it mm -hmm. needed to be said because yeah. it was like I was it was fraudulent that I especially that you, you got to you got to I think and the listeners care. They care yeah. about you. You think they do anyway. You maybe they maybe do. they were listening. Maybe they flipped the channel. <laughs> but uh, 
but I think compartmentalizing it is the only way I can, back to your question, is, uh, is handle what I have going with the clubs, my own comedy career, and then, you know, doing radio. It's, it's, it, without that, there's no way I could have pulled off any of it. Sounds like we need to get you a University of Utah intern. Yes. Yeah, we've got interns. We've got well, we call them recruits now, but yes. Do you, do you guys have interns here? Yeah, we, we have, have one. He, he he's a, where is he? He's supposed to be here. He is uh, teaching um, a basketball seminar at the Boys and Girls nah. Club today. He teaches. See, he, that's why he gets. The, he's is, gonna get fired. Is though. he a good that's basketball it. player? He's great. He? Yeah, he played in college. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, good for him. So uh, no, but. You know, there's a large intern networking system at the U, and you should really get plugged in on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe we maybe we can give you some numbers or something. We can talk about it after there. Yeah. Let's yeah. don't give anybody's phone number on the air. Is anyone listening right now? Yes. Of course. Yes. Okay. I'm just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm serious. Don't don't mess with my Ford Fiesta. It's out front. <laughs> I, I, no, I I appreciate you having me on. What else you guys want to know? I'll tell you oh, anything. Everything. So, how did you start a club? Like, how do you do that? Oh, just credit cards. I started with, <laughs> with, I didn't have any money, but I was on the road. I'll tell you one of the reasons I got off the road. I was working the road full time, traveling all over the place. And I'd done some television, but nothing huge, obviously. If I, if I was, I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and uh, I was dr- just driving all over the place. And I'll never forget it. One night I was headed from Albuquerque, New Mexico with a buddy of mine, his comic, from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we were headed up to, Del- no, I believe it was Bismarck, North Dakota. If you look at a map, that's a long way. And we had rented a car, and we were driving. There's the only way to get there for the gig the next night was to drive nonstop. And we were, I drove throughout the entire night. Then it was his turn to drive. He jumped in the seat. It was morning. It was probably 10 or 11 in the morning. And he fell asleep, flipped the car, and about killed us. Wow. I mean, absolutely flipped it. It was scary as can be. And uh, thank goodness he wasn't hurt. I wasn't hurt. The car was totaled. We were in the middle of somewhere in South Dakota. We were still four or five hours away from the gig or whatever it was. Wow. And I was like, I can't do this. This is stupid. What am I doing? I mean, I'm, I'm headed, I'm about killing myself to go do a dumb gig in Bismarck, North Dakota, where 12 people are going to show up. <laughs> and, you, you know, it, it made me kind of bitter against that, which it should, that had nothing to do with it. But, mm-hmm. but the incident made things horrific. So I thought, you know, I got I to gotta figure, I got to sort things out. I'm not, I'm not 20 years old. You know, I got so I I decided, and I have a business background as a stockbroker and and things like that. I actually used to own a yogurt shop, which is weird. <laughs> I was one of those. I was one of those, I was one of those sheep. <laughs> yes, I was one of the ones that went out of business. That's why you're so jaded about yogurt <laughs> yeah, shops. I like, I like yogurt, but not that much. Just give me random Give me ice cream. But uh, so I uh, I decided. You know what? I I knew people. I worked a lot of clubs and headlined some across the country. And I figured, you know, I think I can do it. And so I decided to open one. I opened in '96 in uh, in in Ogden, Utah, right on 25th Street, and that's where I first gave it a shot and and bought chairs and tables. I, I know a lot of the comics across the country, and I booked them to come in, and and I kind of built from there. But it's a lot of work, a ton of risk, especially now with some of the comedians I'm bringing in. I'm paying them just huge. Crazy amounts of money, M- more money than you go. How is yeah. that even possible? It's like exactly. I mean, it, you, it really you, is. It's it's risky and stressful. Wasn't it like last year you had Kevin Hart, right? Yeah, I paid him fifty-two thousand dollars for He's a weekend. Th- I handed wow. him fifty-two thousand dollars cash. Uh, you no, know, you know, I will tell you this. 
this is uh, <laughs> as an anecdote. He wanted a certain amount of it in cash. Oh. It wasn't him. It was his agent sure. saying, you know what? Part of the deal is this. You pay him this. And he was, you know, he had already played a Bravenal Hall, but he came to work on his material for that special that just came out. So a lot of times they'll want to work on material. That's what Margaret Cho's doing in a couple of uh-huh. weeks. She's coming. She has an HBO special that she's working out the material. So she's going to come do six shows at Wise Guys West Valley, and I'm going to hand her a bunch of money. But back to Kevin Hart, yeah. is that the agent said, hey, uh, yeah, this is the deal. This is what uh, he wants. And the night before the last night, so you know he was doing like four nights or whatever, the night before the last night, we're going to want 20 k in cash. What? So I said, wow, okay. Is he going to make Are, it rain? No, like, what is yeah. I said, okay. And that was part of the deal going in. So I had to go to the bank and withdraw a bunch of money. And then I was in the and office. Walk your car with it. Yeah, well, I have a friend that's uh, with the Bureau. Oh. And I said, can you come hang out with me yeah. tonight? Yeah. He said, yeah, absolutely. I said, I got a lot of money on me. More, I mean, look, people will shoot people for tennis shoes. Yeah. What, do think, what do you think they'll do for 20K? Yeah. And I had it on me, and I said, hey, I need you to, to come hang out with me. So, Wait, I, how did you carry it? How did you transport it? In a duffel bag or a briefcase? I, like? had, I had it just like in a bag, and I had it shoved underneath the seat of my car, <laughs> and I brought it inside the club with my guy. Yeah. And I said, in, I said, in my office, I've got, which I never have money. I mean, because most people use credit cards anyway. Yeah. But for this deal, I had to gather that up. So I had $20,000. And I had to meet with his representative. It wasn't Kevin, but it was his representative. And sat there with my guy. And I let the guy know, oh, by the way, this is a friend of mine that's here. I said, he's, uh, he's with the Bureau. He went, oh, okay. <laughs> so that way he knew, I knew, everybody knows that what we're doing right here is legit sure. and that's all being counted correctly. So that guy sat and counted out $20,000 right in front of me and then he wrapped it up like you would see in a movie. You know when they wrap it up yeah. and they tape it to their body? Yeah. But he, didn't, he didn't tape it to his body, but he had one of those jackets that had a bunch of pockets and zippers what? and he was shoving the money into, so it was like he was wearing a, almost like a flak jacket wow. but it was all full of uh, that's a lot of money. That's a ton of money. Yeah. Like that's just a lot in like and, you amount know, no one size. else. No yeah. one else has ever asked for anything like that that was the deal they wanted and I agreed to it and I did it but it was weird and I'd prefer not to do that I prefer just to wire money to them like I do with most of the acts that I do but I don't know why they wanted it that way but do was it in his rider like was yeah it was in the contract yeah, yeah. say like, this is how the deal is you pay this this I mean and everyone has a different rider and some of the comics their rider is hey I want a bottle of water and a, and a, and a bar stool and a uh, mic and I want a good yeah. mic good lighting and a green room. And then other people say, no, 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 no. I got to have M&Ms and I have to have a blanket just in case I get cold. And Play the cold cuts, stuff like that? Uh, yeah. There's, uh, there's some people that want a lot of food. There's what other people Patrice that want. What did Patrice O'Neill want? Patrice O'Neill wanted nothing. Of course he did. Oh, that's he wanted so, nothing. That's so cool. I was so happy when you brought him in. Yeah. Did you come see him? I did two years ago. And, and the, right crowd, before, the yeah. crowd couldn't have been ridiculously small. Or yeah. Was oh, that yeah. in a sentence? He's, I just yeah. made that one up. Yeah. <laughs> one of the, it's one of the greatest moments because I've, I've seen Carlin I've seen Seinfeld he killed it in your in your uh, show and, and what were there 50 people yeah probably it, it was nothing it was horrible and then six months later he passed on yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was horrible yeah, but supposed to come back too, but uh, actually yeah. he wanted I'll tell you the truth he wanted some specific water there was some water <laughs> that was like some brand of water that he really wanted or some kind of juice and I told my wife I said uh, he, you know this he wants this I don't even know what it is and she hunted it down and uh, she said, hey, Patrice, 
and he was like he was stunned he was going oh, no one ever finds this thing he was so nice yeah. so gracious and funny man great comic oh fantastic uh, so J- if you ever listen to Jay Moore's podcast he mm-hmm. talks about wise guys a lot like yeah. he always talks about you guys how great you are what's his ONA yeah yeah so what uh like what 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 how did you get that kind of relationship with Jay just you know what I hadn't I had never met Jay until he came and performed here a couple of years ago and Jay we just got along and you know what I'll, I'll give credit I we're very comic friendly because we get it because I I'm a comic yeah. I want to I usually give them their space as much space as they want I try to keep too many people away from them I give them whatever they want in in their writer, except for Eddie Griffin, which is ridiculous. That's a whole other thing. He wants tennis shoes. Yeah. Eddie Griffin wants me to buy him a brand new pair of tennis shoes before every show. Oh, so that's why is, he hasn't been back in a while. Ah, uh, that's exactly. Right. No, I like Eddie. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah, but, he's amazing. But the deal was that he had to have Nike tennis shoes before each show. A brand new pair of Air a Force certain. Ones? Uh, were, I, I don't know what they were, but they were a certain Air model, Max 95s, okay. and yeah. he had to have them, and that was the deal, and it was ridiculous. But my wife really takes care of them, the, the people, and Jay was there, and Jay has a child, and my wife said, uh, we had gifts for, my wife had baby gifts for Jay, and he was just stunned, because we knew it, it, that they mm-hmm. were him and Nikki were going to have a child, and my wife brought baby gifts, and he was just like, he was shocked. He said, this, is, this has never happened. No one does this. And my wife's a very nice person. She brought him baby gifts for his child. And and then we also knew that he liked a certain type of, I think, brownie or something. And my wife made it, like, from just made it. Didn't go buy stuff at Sam's Club, which we'll do that too, believe me. But she actually made stuff, and he felt really taken care of and was very appreciative. And I I think it's relationships like that with, like, Jim Norton, the same thing. And you know Rich Voss and a lot of these guys that we we try to take good care of them and uh do and you, hopefully they'll come back. Do you worry about a Jimmy Norton coming to do Wise Guys in Utah? As far as his content? Yes, yeah. because I mean he takes dirty to it very differently. Right, right. Well, people that come to see Jim Norton know exactly what he's about. He yeah. Matter of fact, he's one of those guys that's really under the radar. Either oh, you know him or you don't yeah. know him. Like, I'll tell people Jim Norton, I go, I've never heard in my life, but his fans are his fans. And he's yeah. on Leno almost every week, which is weird. But you know what? Yeah. That has not resonated yet. Yeah. That has not, for whatever reason, his appearances on The Tonight Show, which you're right, about every week, I, it, it doesn't matter. It's his O&A appearance and his, you know, his stand-up comedy. Same thing with Dice. Dice was just here um, in June. Andrew Dice Clay. I would have loved to have been there. I was in a. And he's uh he's another one of those guys that's interesting because he used to sell out Madison Square sure. Garden, and now he's playing Wise Guys. Mm-hmm. So that's got to yeah. be a tough one to process. Think about that for a second. It's like me being on the Eagle. Now I'm on with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, I see you as. Hey, I see hey we you have as, dozens of listeners. And by the way, I, I meant no disrespect. I'm just totally no, we kidding. Don't. I don't yeah. want yeah. anyone is to giving no back to the community and to the University of Utah. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Yeah. And I'm happy to do it. And I know that I'm the oldest person on campus right now. <laughs> but, but I, I'm I'm happy to help wherever I can. What What was it like? I could pick your brain all day, but uh, what is what, what was it like to open for? Um, uh, why am I spacing her name now? Uh, Joan? Yes, Joan. Joan Rivers, yeah, yes. for Joan Rivers right over there. Yeah. Uh, I saw it. it was, I saw oh, it. You killed. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Let's uh, get that out there. Let's, <laughs> let's spread that one. Well, no, it's tr- you, you, you know how to do a theater. Like, you, you wore a suit. You know, you were able to use the stage properly. Like, I was, I, I noticed, like, you, oh, thanks, you know man. what you're doing. Thanks. Well, you know, I opened for Gaffigan there, and I opened for Caliendo there also. Sure. But Joan was cool, man. I was nervous. I was real nervous <laughs> because she's can be intimidating. If you don't know her which I didn't. I had never met her in my life. Matter of fact, I almost backed out. 
Yeah. I almost didn't really? do it. Yeah, because they asked me to do it. She watched my videos too, so she knew what she was getting into with me. So mm -hmm. she goes, "Yeah, let's book this guy to uh, to open." And I I was getting so worked up and so nervous, and because. I, she, you don't know what she's gonna do. I mean, you, I just know her as Joan Rivers, the legend that'll just the royalty cut yeah. your throat. Yeah. She's great, <laughs> and I didn't know what she would say or how she'd react. So uh, up until the day before the gig was on a Saturday night at Kingsbury Hall, yep. up until the day before, I almost backed out. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I don't think I can do this. I, I don't know what something could come of this that I don't want to have come of it. I mean, it could, this could be a bad experience because if I go up there and it doesn't go well, she could shred me in front of 2,000 people <laughs> and it could really not be good for me. My wife said, Keith, you've done this before. You know what you're doing. This is a great opportunity. She's a comedy icon. She's going to love you. Do it. And I said, this is my wife. She, as you can tell, everything goes back to my wife. Right. And I said, I said, okay, fine. And I said, I'll do it. So I um, agreed to do the show. And I was told to be there at 6 o'clock. I remember the show started at 7.30. Does that yep, sound 7:30, right? Yep, yeah. 7.30. They, they said, we, Joan wants you there at 6. And I never show up before a show. I mean, I, I show up 10 minutes before. That's at the earliest. I like to just do my own thing, walk in, get on stage, and be done. And I was told to be there at 6. I was like, 6? This, this is dumb. Why would <laughs> yeah. I want to be there at 6? I pulled up outside the Kingsbury Hall about 10 after 6. And a guy goes, hey, are you Keith Stubbs? <laughs> I go, yeah. He goes, Joan wants you. I went, oh, my gosh. Uh -oh. She was sitting in there waiting for me. So I was thinking, All right, look, I already started off on the wrong foot with Joan Rivers. So I walked back in. I walked into the Kingsbury Hall to the backstage, and she was up there on the stage, and she had hired a band, like a little yeah. orchestra, yep. a, a grand piano, all that, to play music. And she was working through the music cues, and she wanted to work with the music cues, or work through the music cues with me and her, and, and get to know me a little bit. So that's why she was there. But she was very nice. And it took me a few minutes because I was late. Here she is, 79 years old. And I'm, I'm rolling in late? Yeah. Like, like who's, this, who's this idiot that's going to have the nerve to roll in late? That's what I felt like. like I, it's, it's really, you think, look back, it's embarrassing and disrespectful. Uh, but I, didn't, I really didn't know that it was that. Yeah. I thought, who shows up at 6 for a 7.30 show? <laughs> we'll come to find out. Joan, Joan Rivers, Rivers does. Yeah. That's why she's Joan Rivers. Yeah, but it was great. She yeah. was very nice. And uh, she did an hour 10. Yeah. And uh, could, couldn't have been nice. It was tight, too. Yeah. It was very tight. It was, yeah, like, it was good. I mean, you could see where she was riffing, and she was killing it. She's so quick on her feet. She has an ab she's an absolute pro, and she had, a, uh, she had her set list written on, like, poster board. That was taped along the front of the stage at Kingsbury Hall that kind of spanned maybe 25 or 30 feet. And so, as a matter of fact, I've got a picture of that. And you can look at it, and it says Taylor Swift, you know, or whatever, yeah. whatever bit she was going to do, uh, Obama, whatever. And on each of these pieces of poster board that were lined up across was her set list. So as she's on stage performing, you couldn't see it. But if you're backstage, you can see it. That she had, just like a, a band has a set list taped to a monitor on stage, she had a set list. And she was back there, and she go, okay, here's the thing about um, about Kathy Lee Gifford, or what, whatever the bit is. Mm -hmm. And she would look down to that, and bang, she would go into that bit, and she had a set list that kind of kept things together and kept a nice flow. She's an absolute pro, and, uh, and I think she liked me, which was uh, very much a relief. She thought, smiled in your picture on your Twitter account. She did. She did give me a nice <laughs> smile, and she is tiny. She, she, but nice as can be. I mean, bless her heart. She doesn't have to do this. She loves comedy. 
She loves it. She's 79, man. She's got so much money. She's got the home shopping network, jewelry mm-hmm. stuff and all that. She it's got the TV shows. Yeah. Almost from the beginning, she grew up in it. I mean, she was on the Carson show. For yeah. Yeah. She, she's great, but she, she does it because she loves it. And you got to love people. I, I really have an extra layer of respect for people that love comedy. A lot of people like to rip into Jay Leno. Uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of backlash on him. And, you know, I, I've met him. I understand why some people don't like him. But I can tell you that he seems like a decent guy, and he loves stand-up. And he still goes out and works the road, and he'll go to Wendover and do a gig. And he's doing private gigs. He loves performing and loves stand-up. And someone that loves stand-up that much, I have nothing but respect for him because I know how difficult it is and how easy it is for a guy like that to quit. He can walk. He's got so much money. He's like, why is he doing it? Because he loves it. And that's the same reason Joan Rivers does it, because she loves it. Where Letterman, you couldn't get him on stage. No. Not to knock Letterman because yeah. I love his interview yeah. style, but there there is a difference. This to give back too to young comedians, to future yeah. comedians. So can I can I pick your brain a little bit about your method? Like you know how you talked about Joan Rivers had her set list. Like what do you do to prep for a show? Um, I I I get uh, nervous stomach. I I worry ward. I absorb a lot. I, I'm pretty topical. So especially like I'm headlining Friday night at Wise Guys in West Valley City. Two shows, seven thirty and nine thirty p.m. <laughs> Do yourself a favor, come see me. Uh, Does the two-for-one work for that? Absolutely. Dude, nice. I'll take IOUs at this point. I just, want, I just want some people there to hear me do my thing. But, no, I, I have stuff, but I, don't, I, I should use a set list again. I don't. But I kind of like uh, being spontaneous. And pretty much how I am, what you see is what you get. Even, like, as we talk, it's pretty much how I am on stage even, which is, uh, which is not easy. It's easier to be someone else than be yourself. It is. Because being yourself, you're very vulnerable. Being someone else, you can put the wall up. I like that, though. I like when people in celebrity make themselves vulnerable. Like, that's what attracts me to, especially radio. That's why I like radio over other arts is because you have to, most good talent interacts themselves to their audience. As an open micer trying to, like, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I don't want to be someone else on stage. I want to be myself. And that's been the most difficult transition I've found. And that's kind of why, like, I really admire your work. Because I've seen you perform. I've seen, I saw you perform your hour last year as well. And you are, like, you're very just, it's very natural. I don't feel like you're pretending to be someone. But that takes a long time to get there. Yeah. And that's confidence. And it's um, figuring out a way to write material that really is you and it resonates with who you are as a person. Because if you're doing material that's not you, like when I first started, I was just trying to write any joke. I was just trying to write jokes, just trying to write stuff, just trying to get a laugh. But I wasn't being myself, but I was trying to get laughs because if you're up there and you're yourself and you're eating it, then you're not going to get rebooked or you're going to get discouraged and just quit. Uh, but it takes a while to become yourself and hit a groove. And any experienced comic will tell you that. Most, most comics that are new, including myself when I was new, you, th- you watch other open micers and you think, I can do that. I'm better than that guy. And that's fine. You can think that. And you'll even see, you'll even see experienced comics at open mic and go, I can do that. But, and, and that's fine too. But it's delusional. It takes a while to really become good at, at, at stand-up comedy and be a real pro at, at doing it. It takes longer than, than we'd like to think. And I can speak for myself that I was one of those guys going, Psh, how long has that guy been doing it? Ten years? 
I can do that. And I was saying that a month in. Wow. Well, I was an idiot. Yeah. But but you're delusional when you're new. You don't really know. It's like even in radio, you're probably going, you're listening to some radio station as you leave here. You're going, but I could do that. It's like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe you can. L- listen to our first show. Yeah. You'll yeah. see. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe you can, but then maybe you can't, too. Sure. I mean, it, it, there is, there's a lot of skill involved. I, I learned that in radio. When I first started doing working at the Eagle, man, I thought, it can't be that hard. But I remember sitting there, and, and the guy that I was working with, Paul Coffey, who's a real nice guy, I, was, I got nervous doing the weather, and I talk about doing the weather. I was doing the weather. I was nervous, man, yeah. because it, it does take a while to relax and, and tune into who you are. So I think that what you're doing on stage, get up there, try to be yourself. You got to get some laughs. You got, I mean, it is a comedy club. You are trying to be a comedian. Um, so there's, there's got to be some structure to what you're doing. Uh, but being yourself is probably one of the most difficult things as far as being a comedian. You watch Louis C.K. as a great example. You could tell that he's really tuned in to who he is. And if you watch other comics from 10 years ago, Jim Norton is one of those guys. It, when, when he talks about watching videos of himself 10 years ago, and he was pretty successful 10 years ago in the minds of a lot of people, he looks back and goes, ugh, that's horrible. I can't believe I did that. And that's because he wasn't truly, at that point, doing exactly what he wanted to do on stage. But, you know, most comics are their own worst critics, Yeah. not some. Some oh. are delusional. <laughs> but a lot of them, all, yeah. you know, they think That's they're great true. at all times. But most comics are very self-analytical, self-effacing, and, like, I won't even watch a video of myself, even though I should, but I, I have a hard time even watching it. I don't, I don't listen to back to any of you my don't. podcasts. I should. You don't? I, I don't. don't. I can't. It's really hard. And I know I should, but... But when you're new, you have to, because you need to watch what you're doing and watch that you're not even looking at the audience. You're looking at the floor the whole time, or that you're that you're, you're only just looking being at weird. one side of the room. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I all, I all watched those a, things. I watched a video of myself, and that's one thing I realized real quick, and I had to change it. And it, I felt like vomiting while watching the video. It was hard. But but yeah. you but you'll correct that mistake. I did. And I know yeah. that I need to do that still. But I have a real hard time doing it. Actually, I videotaped about a month ago, and I, I watched the entire thing. It was like a 15-minute set, and um, I was okay with the majority of it. Like, yeah. the majority of it, I was like, okay, all right, well, that was that. I didn't hate it, which is good. <laughs> but there were things I saw that I went, oh, gosh, what <laughs> was that, you idiot? Are, are you, like, going to record a special or anything? Are you going to release a CD? Have I you? Don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I need to. I need to do all that. Too. What? What do you? How do you <laughs> deal with material? Do you like <laughs> everything? You, you, got, you got a checklist for me over there. What else do I need to do? See, I got the clubs. I got a failed radio career. I'm a headline Friday night. I did a show at a turkey farm last Thursday night. How was that? Oh, it was good. They were actually very nice. I thought they were out there to murder me though. Yeah. It was way out. Have you been down to uh, Fairfield, Utah? No. It's like way down south, past Spanish Fork. Like going towards Ephraim and then going out in the woods, no reception, no nothing. There was a group of about a hundred people. And I thought, man, I wonder if this is like uh, they're actually here to murder me because it was. I had to take uh, this street and then that not street road and then take a dirt road like three miles out in my rental car at the time. And I thought, where am I going? <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. And I get there and there's they, they were nice as can be, but I thought maybe maybe they're dragging me out here. To, to take my life yeah. but they didn't do that I, I went, it went fine but you know as a comedian you have to perform for whatever the crowd is it could be the Joan Rivers crowd it could be a bunch of turkey farmers who were great you just have to make adjustments mm-hmm. with who you're talking to 
and what you talk about and how you deliver it. But I pretty much do the same thing. The way I deliver and what I do is very similar. I just make adjustments based on your audience, based on the audience. Yeah. But I don't, I don't give up what I do. I don't, I don't really change my content. I just serve it up a different way. It's like sloppy joes. Some people want it without the bun. Some people want the <laughs> bun. Some people want lettuce. Some people want cheese. So it's still, it's still, still sloppy joe. I just have to deliver it a different way. So you do something really unique with your clubs. You pull from a lot of local talent. So what are your like? What are your stipulations like? What do you look for in like local talent? Like what what do they need to do in order to get some time on stage? Uh, work hard, support the club, hang out, love it, be be serious about it, because stage time is the premium, man. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much stage time. Like I get emails from guys going, "Hey, uh, when can I open for Ralphie May?" Uh, never. How about that? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm not, I don't mean it that way, but you, that comes with time. But if you're an open micer right now, that I can tell you it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to – you need to first open for, you know, another headliner that no one's heard of. You're not going straight to open for Ralphie May. You're not going That's straight to open business. for – You're not going to open yeah. for Joan River. Like like if I had emailed Joan, hey, uh, when can I open for you? How about never, stupid? Because yeah. that's really sure. what you get hit with. So it's I think I think so, so like Johnny would do Jay Whitaker or something like that's that. Well, exactly yeah. no no you're exactly right yeah. and it, it's not it's no offense to Jay or no. you but yeah. that's how it goes and then Jay was opening for whoever and then Jay opened last week for Mark Curry or, yeah, or, or whoever Patrice. Yeah. yeah yeah so you get those opportunities but you got to support the club you got to come hang out I'm not going to come pick anybody up at their house I'll have guys go hey when can I do this I, if you need me call me it's like I don't need you <laughs> you need me yes, sir. if you want to do it. Because there are so many people that want these opportunities, and you're coming, and you're you're asking a guy who started and did open mic in L.A. and would drive 90 miles for three minutes on stage. I've done it, and I don't know that a lot of the guys realize that when they say, uh, "If you need me, call me," it's like you're saying it to the wrong guy. Because I know that I had to kiss major butt just to get any stage time in the world. Because it is a business. Yep. It is a, you know, you could be the best radio dude in the world, but I can tell you, if you ran around this building right now acting like a jerk to the wrong person, you'd be off the air like that. Mm -hmm. So there is a certain side of it that is business and being cordial and being respectful and being professional that that does matter. And if you're not that, I I won't, I don't, believe me, I don't need you. Mm -hmm. I don't, and it's not, that sounds wrong. It's very honest. No, it sounds right. No, it does. Because there's, there is a business side to it and being nice and supporting and coming out and, Realizing that, because if you look at the history of the guys that have worked through Wise Guys and what they're doing, there are guys doing great things. Anthony, or not Anthony, uh, uh, Hamilton. Ryan's uh, killing. Yeah, Ryan Hamilton, uh, Bent Washburn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jay Whitaker. Bent used to live with me. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, Ben, yeah, when he was going through his divorce. Solberg, right? Yes. Yeah, Steve Solberg. We've had Steve on. Yeah, yeah, they're all funny guys, and it's just a matter of doing it and respecting it and appreciating it. And when you get on stage doing a good job, not going up there and just. Well, I'm just going to do this. Like, well, okay, you know what? I, you keep in mind, this is an open mic. There's an audience here, and they want to see kind of a real show. And so I need some real effort. This isn't a fake show. Sure. This is this yeah. is real. They paid to be here, like, a lot. Right. Yeah. These people yeah. came here instead of going to see... The new movie. Yeah. Right, Smurfs. Yeah, exactly. Blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the movie is. No, but they, they instead of going to a game or doing this yeah. or that, they decide to come here. So I need to give them a show. Therefore, I need you to step it up and, and be ready to go and... Not look you, like you just got dragged out from underneath a car, changing the oil. Yeah. You know, there's there's things like that because people do have other options for their entertainment dollar. 
So we have to get to wrapping up yes. this oh, interview, okay. unfortunately. Yes, I, but I have a question for you. Hit me. Our demographic here is mostly 18 to 23-year-old men and women and such, mm-hmm. inspiring people into the community. Do you have any advice for them on how to become a professional, regardless of whether it's media, entertainment, but just how to become a successful person on this planet? Uh, you know what? If I, I have nothing but the most respect for... Uh, or the utmost respect for people that know what they want to do. I think it's hard to really know what you want to do when you're 18 or 20 or 23 years old. There's some guys trying stand-up comedy now that are 20, 21. I go, that, that is insane to me. I thought about it kind of at that age, but I didn't act upon it until I was 30, 31 years old, and I wish I had done it earlier. So I would just say if you can hone in on what you want to do, and it doesn't have to be stand-up comedy. It could be own a business. It could be... Uh, teaching, whatever it is, man, if you if you can hone in on what you really want to do and what your passion is, go for it. Work hard and don't let anybody stop you because if you can start at that age, you'll probably hit you know, th- whatever, wherever it is you want to, whatever you want to achieve, whatever your goal is. So I, that would be my word of inspiration. And it's based on me not knowing what I wanted to do <laughs> between the ages of 18 and 23. I like it. Awesome. So, Keith, you're you're uh, at Wise Guys. Which one this week? Uh, Wise Guys, West Valley City. Thanks for asking. Uh, shows are 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. I'll be doing my comedy thing. I've got a couple of openers that are very funny, and I have a couple that aren't. But I... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a joke. Yeah. No, I've got uh, some comics. And, Who's uh, opening for you? Um, it's going to be uh, oh. Travis Tate's going to be on the show. Oh, Travis is funny. You I know Travis. Travis. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, I think Seth is going to be on the oh, show. Good old Seth Tippett. Yeah. And I don't know who else. Okay. But I'm going to be on the show, and I'm yeah. and I'm doing my thing. So, and I'm t- right now, I'm actually going to head over to Open Mic Night. Yeah. Are you going? No, I have to do another radio show after this. Okay. I'll be there next Wednesday, though. Right on, man. Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah. thanks for having me. KeithStubbs.com is the name of the website. Follow me on Twitter. It's at the Keith Stubbs. Keith Stubbs, failed radio personality, <laughs> but successful uh, successful being a dad. Check in on WiseGuys.com for schedules and tickets for upcoming comedy shows. And what? the and the two for one coupon. Yeah, it's a fantastic. Yeah. I go there several times a year. Uh, the food's good. The beer and alcohol is reasonable priced, and they take care of you. They're, they're not. There's no arrogance and ego over there. So really, I don't. No. I never. I never see it. Good. I never have any problems. I mean, it's like you I'm know, good. most of the comedians will shake your hand and greet you out the door, and you can't ask for anything more. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having hey, me. Hey, thank you. Awesome. We appreciate you. Thanks. So uh, you want to hit the yeah. here? Thank you.